from my family you are my home away from home and I am honored to serve the vision of this house I don't know if you know it or not but you are absolutely blessed to have the lead pastors that you have and I know that I say that every yeah go right ahead man go right ahead I say that every time I'm here and I say it because I mean it Uh, they don't they've never asked me to say that they've never we've never even had that conversation and actually, if he knew I was doing it, he, man, he'd probably try to back me away from it. But I'm telling you, man, you have one of the greatest pastors in America. He is, uh, he is a man of God. Man, Megan is a woman of God. And man, what, what God has destined for them and for this house is absolutely amazing. He spent the last week pouring into pastors, serving pastors. And so, man, you should be absolutely elated that you, God is giving you a pastor like pastors Brandon and Megan Goff. So would you honor them real quick? The second thing that I want to say is, man, I just want to say welcome to our online campus. So would you give everybody that's joining us online at this moment, would you give them a great big hand? Thank you guys for being here. We honor you. And uh, the third thing that I want to do is I want to say Man, I'm so excited um, that Pastor Brandon got a shorter table because the last time I was here, um, it came up to my neck and and I looked like a floating head. And so (laughs) I told him I was going to make fun of him for that. Well, when I started talking to Pastor about how, uh, you know, kind of of what he wanted uh, today, kind of what his vision was or where the church was and where it was going, um, and he started telling me about Friend Day next, next week. I think it's next week, correct? Friend day's next week. And um, he started telling me about that. And he was like, man, if you've got anything, kind of lead into that. And I was like, man, I've got just the thing. And it just so happens that we've been in the middle of a series at our church, uh, which is Harvest Church. We are right outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we've been in the middle of a series called Juicy Fruit. Now, when you start talking about fruit, and of course it's related to the Bible, people immediately go to uh, Galatians, and they start, you know, they immediately think of the fruit of the Spirit. But what I have found out is that is only one type of eight types of fruit in the Scripture. And the way this series kicked off was I was studying in John chapter 15 one day, and it just struck me. John chapter 15 is the passage where Jesus is talking. He's talking about the, 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 the vine and the vine dresser and being connected to the vine. And he says that there are those who are connected to the vine who bear no fruit. And so do you remember what he said he does to them? He cuts them off. Ouch. Right? So then he says there are those who bear some fruit. And what does it say he does to them? He prunes them. Ouch. <laughs> right? So I've heard it said, you're pruned if you do, and you're pruned if you don't, right? He, 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 if you don't bear fruit, he says, I'm going to cut you off. He said, if you do bear fruit, I'm going to prune you, which feels a lot like cutting off, except it's cutting off with a purpose of bearing, and he goes on to say, more fruit. But it was when I got to verse 8 that, man, it really just kind of hit me 
Because Jesus said this in verse 8. He said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so when I read that, man, it really just kind of stuck out to me. And I, and I was like, man, if I'm supposed to bear much fruit, and it's in that bearing of much fruit that God is greatly glorified, then I want to know what's the fruit that I'm supposed to be bearing. And so in our church, we've been in, by the time it's all over, we're in the middle of it right now, but by the time it's all over, uh, eight weeks, um, we will have looked at different kinds of fruit. And one of those fruit I'm going to talk to you about today, and it comes out of Matthew chapter 3. And in Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 1, the Bible says this. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent. Everybody shout, Repent. All right, I know y'all can do better than that. I watched the game with Pastor Brandon last night and I saw all of the fans in the, the stadium cheering on the, the University of South Carolina. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Say, repent. repent. Oh, that was more like it. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's real pastoral, isn't it? But it was verse 8 that really stuck out to me. He says, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now, repentance is one of those theological terms that, 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 that you really just, you know, you look at and, and maybe you know what it means. Maybe you think you know what it means. Um, but even if I think I know what it means... I am going to dig into it to try to figure out what it means. And, and I, I've come to find out, I hope you don't mind if I make myself a cup of coffee while I'm here. Is that all right? I hope it is. Okay, excuse me. Have y'all ever had pour over coffee? Man. It's like revival in a cup. It, it is absolutely amazing. So I'm, I'm just going to make myself some pour over while I'm well, I'm here. I hope you don't mind. And so, and so I, I started looking at what repentance actually meant. I found out that it was the Greek word metanoia. And metanoia, mean, metanoia means the reversal of a decision. Right? Or a reformation. Now, it, it says this in one of those smart Bible uh, dictionaries or commentaries or, or, or something. You know, it says, in the New Testament, repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. Repentance is a profound change of mind... Involving the changing of the direction of one's life from self-centeredness or sin-centeredness to God or Christ-centeredness. And so as I, as I started looking at uh, this, I found out that what repentance means, because I, I was raised in church, and so what I knew of repentance was you, you run down to the front of a church and you kneel down on some steps or a, an old wooden altar, what we used to have in the church, and, and you, you cry a lot, right, and you tell God you're sorry. And that was my idea of repentance. But I found out that repentance is not that at all, actually. 
It's not saying you're sorry. It's having a complete change of mind. Now we say it like this uh, in, in, in the series back home. We said it like this. We said, I choose to agree with God. Now, before I move on, let me continue making my coffee. So I was born, I was, I, I was born into a coffee-drinking family, right? How many of you dr- have drank coffee all your lives? Mm-hmm. See, as a toddler, I would, I would <laughs> as a toddler, I would run up to my dad and I would, I would, I would look at him and I, I would be like, I want some. And my dad would have a cup of coffee in his hand. And he, he, would, he would reach down and he'd give me some. And I, I, from that point on, man, I was hooked. I loved it. Now, my coffee, my dad's coffee drinking experience was, uh, at, at the beginning, it was Maxwell House. Right? Come on, somebody. Right? You went an old school coffee experience in Maxwell House. Then he, then he got accustomed to the finer things in life, and he upgraded to, uh, to Folgers. <laughs> right? And so now he, he, he drinks Folgers every day. And, um, and so, but that's what I grew up on. And I thought, man, that was the pinnacle. He, he brews it in a Mr. Coffee, you know, pot. And, 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 you know, it drip coffee. Man, it's the thing. And so I grew up on that, and I thought, man, that is the pinnacle of coffee. Until one day... Someone introduced me to pour over. Now, pour over is completely different because, see, I, when, when they started explaining it to me, I thought, man, you're trying to take me for a ride, right? Because, it, you know, it just looks like drip coffee to me. Right? It looks like a, a, an old school way or a camping way of, of, of making Mr. Coffee, right? Making, just brew your Maxwell House, right? And so... I was like, okay, tell me the experience. And they go, no, 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 no. It's a complete different experience. Because when you do pour over, uh, you don't have a paper filter. It has the wire mesh filter. And when you, when you have the wire mesh filter, you have your grounds in there. And, and, and you take your, your water and you pour it in small circles slowly into the... Uh, I hope this is all right. I, I get sidetracked by coffee a lot. Right, And so you start pouring in, in small circles in one direction until uh, the grounds bloom. Because it releases all of the flavor. Then you let it drain on out like it's doing right now. And then once all of it's drained, then you grab your coffee pot and you pour in small circles in the opposite direction. Because what it does is it stirs up the grounds again. It releases more of the flavor. Now the difference in the coffee experience is the, the wire mesh filter versus the paper filter. Because the paper filter filters out everything but the, but the filtered water, the coffee that goes through. But the wire mesh filter in pour-over systems actually allows the oil from the bean. To make it through. And what that does is it makes it a smoother experience of coffee. And it actually takes away the bitterness. And so I looked at those people telling me this stuff. And I was like, you are taking me for a ride. This is the craziest thing. I've That's nothing more than drip coffee. You might as well just pour some Maxwell House in there and let it roll. <laughs> right? Until... I tasted it. And at this point, if you can't tell, I'm passionate about coffee. And at this point, I grabbed the cup and 
It's like revival in a cup. <laughs> it's just a smoother experience. Now, I can go back to dad's house. And I can drink my Maxwell House or Folgers now that he's upgraded. He's, he's become bougie with his Mr. Coffee now. <laughs> I can drink Folgers with him. And you know what? I can enjoy it. I, it's nostalgic for me. But when I want, I want a good cup of coffee, I can't go back to the Maxwell House experience. Because I've tasted of the goodness of the pour over. Now. Now I've got my coffee. Let, let's go back. So repentance means a change of mind. Now, if you haven't gotten it by now, that's exactly what happened when I experienced pour over for the first time because now my mind has completely shifted. My mind has completely changed because now I have experienced the goodness of pour over. My mind is changed. And now if I drink Maxwell House, I go into a, a cafe and I order breakfast and they bring me a cup of coffee. Immediately when I put that coffee to my lips, I can say uh, that is not fresh roasted coffee. That is a big old can sitting in the back and it's blue and it's got Maxwell House written across the front of it. And you put that thing in a paper filter and it dripped for about 10, 15 minutes. And now you're filling my cup up and it'll do. It'll give me energy. But if I want the finer experience, I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to grab my pour over and I'm my Radiate Church mug, which I have two of them in my cabinet, by the way. I drink from them regularly. Hmm. And I have revival all by myself. <laughs> right? And that's exactly what repentance really means. Is there's a change of mind. It, it is a complete difference in thinking. Which is what I said. We choose to agree with God. Now the reason that I say that we choose to agree with God. Is because there are still some times that. I, I, I read the scripture. Or I, 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 I find something that I don't necessarily understand. Or even at the moment agree with but I do understand that God's ways are higher than mine and he's a lot smarter than I am come on and so maybe he sees it from a perspective I don't yet see it from so I'm choosing because I believe he has my best interest at heart to agree with God now I'm a parent with three kids. My oldest is 17. My youngest is 10. Which means I'm getting old. <laughs> and so nobody warned me that the worst thing about parenting was teaching a teenager to drive. I thought I'd been through the worst of it until I got to driving. Then, praise the Lord, I found a new experience with God that I was forced into. And so... And so I have three kids, and so as a parent, I, and I don't know how y'all do it here now in South Carolina. I've been, I've been, I've been in, in the Midwest now for eleven years, so I, I'm not quite sure how y'all do it in South Carolina anymore. But, but growing up, South Carolina used to do it this way, and Oklahoma still does it this way. Um, there are times that my kids are doing something, and I just don't have time to sit down and have an existential discussion about why they should not be doing that, and and to begin to ask them questions about why they would choose to do that, and, and how that would reflect in their lives, and what kind of consequences that would have. I, I just don't have time to do that. Sometimes, I just have to look at my kid and go, stop! And I know it's not popular in today's culture, but sometimes 
If my kid's going towards a hot stove and I see their hand reaching, I just don't have time to go, you know what, sweetheart, let's pause for a moment before you touch that stove. And let me, let me talk to you about how hot that stove is and what that's going to do to your hand. And, and once we've discussed all of the consequences and the, the thought process in this and what it's going to do to you mentally when you put your hand on, if you still choose to go through with it, you know what, it's your choice. No, sometimes I just need to go, stop. And what I found out is there's just some times that I'm reading the Bible and God just did not have the time to explain thoroughly and have the existential discussion with me at the moment. But he looked at me and said, that ain't good for you. Stop. And that's where the change of mind comes in. Because now, all of a sudden, instead of arguing back with God and going, well, you're going to have to explain that to me, why that is not such a good idea for me. Because I think in the moment, I feel good about it and it it feels good to me. And I I, I think sometimes I just need to step back and go, I choose. To agree with God. But the thing about repentance is that that's not the only thing. And I found that out because I was reading again in Acts chapter 26. And in Acts chapter 26, the apostle Paul is talking to King King Agrippa. Now, he's talking to King Agrippa and he's recounting his conversion story. And in his conversion story, you know, that Paul, the the tall of Saul of Tarsus, I got that completely backwards. (laughs) Saul of Tarsus was riding down the road in his valiant steed of a donkey. When all of a sudden a bright light appeared, it blinded him and threw him off of his valiant steed. He falls to the ground and all of a sudden he has this encounter with Jesus that changes him forever. And instead of being a persecutor of Christians, which is what he was going to uh, on his way to Damascus to do, all of a sudden he now is transformed into the Apostle Paul. And he ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And now he's standing before King Agrippa and he's telling this story and he gets to the point where now he's become the Apostle Paul and he's turning things around and he says this in verses 19 and 20. He says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting of repentance. So we've already learned that a repentance involves a change of mind, meaning I choose to agree with God, but it also involves a turning to God. We'll say it like this, I choose to trust God. The churchy way of saying that is, I'm going to place my faith in Jesus. Faith is just a, 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 a theological word that simply means, that it's very basic definition, trust I choose to trust God. So you go, Pastor, how do I choose, how, how do I choose to trust God? How do, I, how do I place my trust in God? Well, I'm going to go old school. And I know Radiate's a very contemporary church and it's happening. And man, things are, things are going well. And Pastor Brandon, you know, he, you know he's, he's, got, he's got the big arms. He thinks he has the big arms. And, and you know... And, <clears throat> Right. No, but, but, you know, he, he dresses, he's trendy, and, and man, he, he's a powerful preacher. But, but sometimes you just got to take it old school. And old school said that the way you place your trust in God is threefold. There's the ABCs of salvation. First, you've got to admit... That's why I'm, I'm going to agree with God. I admit I'm a sinner. I know, I know you might think you're a moral person, but apart from Jesus, you're still a sinner. 
And I know you think you're a good person. You're a, you're a good neighbor. You do, you do good to those around you. you, don't, you don't, you're not off doing all these crazy things, these bad things. You, you, know, you, you're, you're not, you don't worship Satan, right? You, you, you're here at Radiate Church. You're, you're a good person. But if you have not committed your life, if you have not placed your trust in Jesus, you, you're still a, a sinner. We were all sinners. I'm not, I'm not singling you out. We were all sinners. I was a sinner until the first... Tuesday night in June at Camp Robinson, South Carolina, right before I turned four, or 15 years old. And Jesus arrested my heart. And it was in that moment that I realized and I had to admit, I am a sinner apart from Him. You admit, that leads me to number two, or the second part, the B, is I've got to believe I've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross for the sins of the world. He was buried. He rose again from the grave on the third day so that you and I could have eternal life. See, the fact of the matter is, is there are a lot of people who go, well, you know what, Jesus isn't really the only way. He's not, he's not, he's not really God in flesh, right? That's, just, that's, that's a bit far, but you know, he was a good teacher. But the fact of the matter is, is there were only two options. Jesus either is who he said he was or he was absolutely out of his mind there's no in between he's not like oh he was a cool dude he was just a little off you know like he just he was either who he said he was or he's out of his mind let me give you an example so a number of years ago, I was pastoring. This was back when I was still in South Carolina. I was pastoring my home church, and we had grown pretty good. And there was a, a, a shift in the mindset of the folks, and so now all of a sudden they wanted to, you know, uh, reach people who were far from Christ, and we were starting to invite folks. And all of a sudden, one one Sunday, a couple from my church picked up a hitchhiker on the way. I'm not quite sure that was the smartest thing to do. But they did it. And so I had, to, I had to applaud their desire. And so they looked at the guy. They said, man, we'll take you wherever you want to go if you'll go to church with us first. So the guy says, okay. So he comes to church. He sits through service. Everything's good. After church is over, I'm out in the lobby, which we used to call the vestibule. Anybody remember those? Come on, somebody. That'll take you back. That'll provide nostalgia at least, revival at best. Right? And, and, and so and we were standing in the lobby and all of a sudden from inside the auditorium I heard somebody yell to the top of their lungs, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Now, from the background that I come from, that does not usually end well, right? It's not, that's not a positive encounter, right? And so I, I was out there and I, you know, I was shaking hands, hugging necks, kissing babies, all the things you know pastors do. And all of a sudden I was like, I'll be right back I need to check on this and so I walked around and as soon as I rounded the curve I looked down the long aisle that led to, uh, to the front of our church and there stands this elderly gentleman in our church and the hitchhiker and I thought wow this is not the way to make a guest feel welcome <laughs> right and so I start walking down because I'm like I got to figure out what's going on all the leadership stuff is rolling through my head you know I'm going what in the world and so I get down there and I go hey guys like uh, yeah what's happening and so the elderly gentleman looks at me. He says, this guy's claiming to be God. So now all of a sudden my mind starts rolling in completely different directions. Because I'm like, what in the world? And I'm like, surely this is some misunderstanding. Until I look over at the guy and I go, sir, man, I, I'm so glad you're here. Could you, could you explain to me what you were saying? Because maybe there's a misunderstanding. And the guy just looks at me and he goes, 
Now, in that moment, I could have sat back and go, you know what, this guy, he's a pretty good guy. He's a little, little, little misguided. No. Either he was who he said he was, or he was woohoo. <laughs> right? And so, and so we ended up getting him some help and sending him on his way, right? We, 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 you know, we called somebody to kind of take care of him and they, they drove him to the, the heavenly establishment that I'm sure he spent a little time at, right? And, and so there was only one or two options and that's the same way with Jesus. Either Jesus is who he said he was or he's absolutely crazy. And for those of us in this room that have committed our lives to following Jesus, we have just chosen to believe that he was who he said he was. And so we've chosen to agree with God and we've chosen to put our trust in him. Which means we admit, we believe, and thirdly we confess. That means I have to open my mouth and commit my life to him. God, I'm giving my life, I'm giving you my heart, I'm giving you my all. I commit my life to you. Now once I've done those two things, that's the first two steps in the fruits of repentance. That leads us to the third thing. There's got to be a change of mind. I agree with God. There has to be a turning to God. That means I trust or I choose to trust God. But then there has to be a change of life. And I'm going to say it like this. I have to act like he really exists. Pastor Craig Groeschel, um, you may have heard of him. He has a little struggling church out in Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> Pastor Craig Rochelle, um, he put it like this. He, he, he termed this, uh, coined this phrase. He said, they're Christian atheists. You go, well, that's two completely opposite things. And he said, what, I, what he basically means is this. He says, the Christian atheist is someone who says they believe in Jesus, but doesn't act like they believe he exists. Which leads me back to the pour over. Because see, they're, they're, when I was introduced to pour over, I had such an experience. I had one of two options. I could have went, I'm keeping this to myself. I don't want anybody else to find out about this. Because Pastor Chris, if they find out about pour over, that's going to mean less pour over for me. If there's us pour over from me, like we just can't have that. So I'm not going to tell you about this at all because I want to keep the pour over to myself. That's just generally not how this works, is it? You, you find a restaurant that you absolutely love, you fall in love with, you go and you tell everyone. Why? So that they can experience the same thing. Well, I did the same thing. I became the greatest pour over evangelist to ever walk the face of the planet. I was so, I probably sold more pour over systems than pour over has itself. I, I mean, I just started telling everybody. I started telling my friends. I started telling my family. I started telling strangers at Walmart in the, I would go to the coffee aisle and just hang out till somebody showed up and was looking at a Mr. Coffee and I'd look at him and say, don't get that. Buy this. It's so much better. Let me tell you how, I mean, I started telling Telling everybody, I was so good at it, I converted your own pastor. He hadn't had pour over. And I said, you haven't had pour over? He said, no, let's go get Starbucks. I said, ugh, puh, gross, let's have pour over. And so I made him pour over. What did he do? He came back to South Carolina. He went and bought a pour over system. I converted Pastor Brandon. 
Now, I hope you know I'm exaggerating all of this. I did convert Pastor Brandon, by the way. <laughs> but I'm exaggerating all this because what I want you to see is if I'm really going to act like he exists, my life has to reflect that. And part of the way that my life reflects that, you do realize that the Great Commission says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, he's not just talking to preachers. He's saying, go into all the world and evangelize every known people group. Tell everyone else about the good news. So if I'm going to act like he exists, then I've, I've, I've got to become a poor over evangelist. If I've tasted and seen, then I want everybody I know to taste and see as well. Which brings me to the fact that next week is friend day. And if I've really had a change of mind and if I'm really going to bear the fruit of a life of repentance, I can't just have the change of mind and the turning to God and keep it to myself. I have a biblical obligation to let others know. Now I'm going to tell you this because he isn't in the room, he isn't here. But your pastor and one of my best friends everywhere we went this week he left friend day cards. He's, he gave away more friend day cards than I think I've ever seen anybody give away for an event like that. Individually. Like literally every restaurant every store didn't matter what it was, where we were. He was giving away friend day cards. Why? Because he's tasted and seen. And he wants everyone else to come out of the Maxwell House experience and experience the goodness of the pour over. You get what I'm saying? And so here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. First of all, for those of you who have, who have found faith in Jesus, you've, you've chosen to trust Him. I encourage you, when you leave here today, I want you to go out. I want you to get every friend day card you can get. I mean, stack up on them. And if you truly believe, if you've truly been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, man, would you go out of here today? Spend this week, the next seven days, inviting everybody you can invite. Pack this place out. Listen, I hope that I talk to Pastor Brandon next week and it's caused, this has caused such a stir that they're having to put chairs out in the lobby and outside on the lawn. I mean, I, I hope you pack it out so much. Why? Just so you can have a big service? No, so that lives can be changed. So that they can experience the goodness of Jesus. But maybe you're in here and you go, well, Pastor, I, I haven't had the pour over experience yet. I, I'm here. I, 
I agree with what you're saying, but I haven't placed my trust in Jesus. Then today's a great day to do just that. I'm going to ask for every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you're in this room and you haven't placed your trust in Jesus, here's what I'm going to ask you. Today, when I count to three, would you, would you just raise your hand? Don't do it yet. Now let, me, let me give you some instruction because we're not, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down here to the front and make you stand in front of everybody. Uh, like I'm not going to do any of that stuff. But what's going to happen is when you raise your hand, I'm going I'm to be able to recognize you and pray with you from the stage, you right where you are. But while your hand's up, uh, Radiate's got a team and they're going to stop by and they're going to slip a, 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 a um, clipboard into your hand. And all that we're asking you to do is to fill out a little bit of information after we pray this prayer and then take that out to the connect tent because we want to be able to do life with you we want to be able to walk with you through this journey get some, get some resources into your hand get you connected to some folks who can walk with you in this journey and so if you're in here and you go pastor I haven't, I haven't made that decision yet with every head bowed every eye closed I'm going to count to three and if that's you pastor I want to give my life to Jesus I want to place my trust in him today on the count of three would you just shoot your hand up real high so, so that we can see it on the count of three one two three is there anybody in the room there's one Anybody else? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me. And if you pray this prayer with me and you mean it from your heart, when we say amen, you are just as saved as anybody else in this room. So would you say this, repeat this prayer after me out loud, everybody. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I commit my life to you today. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe you are who you said you are. So today, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together and celebrate one person giving their life to Jesus. So let me pray over you and then Pastor Chris is going to come. Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. And I pray today that if they have experienced the power of Jesus, if they have experienced the pour over experience, Father, I pray that this week they would go out and become an evangelist that would tell everybody that they find about the goodness of Jesus.